Mike Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. Today's episode is a special episode of the podcast coming to you from the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown Comics. Uh, as many of you know, this place is very near and dear to my heart. I've had the pleasure of working over there uh, for the last five months. And I've been coming to shows here and, you know, had a chance to perform stand-up here since 2013. Uh, so this place for the last five years has been very special to me. As we found out that we would be closing it, the final show was March 30th. I, I wanted to be able to put something together that was special, that shared the memories and the love that so many of us here in Los Angeles have felt for this place. And so yeah, this is the audio from the video that I made um, that you can now see up on YouTube uh, with so many great people, Matt Myra, Sarah Silverman, April Richardson, Kyle Clark, Caitlin Durante, Beowulf Jones, Aristotle Acevedo, Katie Levine, just to name a few. Uh, there are just so many great people on this. Uh, some of the original Meltdown crew, Dave Clock, who designed all the posters uh, that you would see inside the Nerdist showroom as well as around Meltdown Comics. Ed Salazar, who was one of the producers in the tech. Uh, we tried to get Jonah, Kumel, and Emily. Unfortunately, their schedules were just too crazy busy. Uh, I actually got to be there, though, as they were all kind of saying goodbye to the space uh, before Emily and Kumel uh, left out of town and Jonah went back to the writer's room for Mystery Science Theater. And, you know, it was, it was kind of weird to be a fly on the wall to kind of check that out. I feel bad. I think I interrupted, like, a very private moment um, <laughs> when I got there. Uh, Ed had called me to let me know that he was there so I could come and film his interview. Um, and at the same time, Dave Clock had emailed me. and was like, yeah, I'm here. So I was heading over and Ed called and she's like, hey, I'm here. And Jonah's here. And so I get to the showroom expecting, oh, where are they? I, I can hear them in the green room. So I just went in because, you know, they were expecting me. And sure enough, I walk into everybody being there. And yeah, I felt, I realized after a few minutes, like, ah, oh, shit, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Um, and yeah, somebody eventually was like, hey, can you give us a moment? And yeah, I kind of feel like a total jackass about that. And, you know, Emily, Kamel, Jonah, all you guys, I'm sorry if I interrupted something. I did not mean to. That was not my intention. Uh, but thanks for letting me still stick around yeah, before I sat down with Ed and Dave. Uh, just to kind of be able to see them say goodbye to a place that really helped launch their careers. And, you know, Meltdown is such a special place for everybody. Um, and I, I don't want to get emotional on the intro of this because plenty of people, you know, really shared their thoughts and feelings um, during this episode. And so I hope you guys enjoy this and, and, and can enjoy the spirit that so many of us felt in this just incredible stand-up room. And, you know, if you never got to visit Meltdown Comics or the Nerdist Showroom, you know, you really missed out. So it, was, it truly was a special place. And it's gonna it's gonna leave a huge hole in the comedy scene here in Los Angeles. And I'm really gonna miss it. Already as I've been driving down Sunset, you know, I was there as they took the, the Meltdown signs down from the front and that just, ugh, just it, it tore a hole in my heart. And, you know, I was just so sad to really kind of let it sink in um, that, it, that it was gone. Um, but yeah, th this... This episode, I, I think, will give you a good insight of what this meant to so many of us that you know have been coming here for so many years. Some of the people that helped get this place off the ground, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Meyer started the very first open mic. I still remember working at eBay and hearing that episode of the Nerdist podcast when they talked about opening this, and Matt talked about doing uh, doing the open mic. It was Matt Meyer's day off. And I was just so determined that I was going to be at that open mic. And two years later, uh, I did. Austin and I 
uh, drove all the way down here, and then I walked a mile. I walked for an hour. It was like three and a half miles, which ironically is basically a walk that I did all the time now because my apartment here in Los Angeles is not too far from the first uh, first hotel that Austin and I stayed at when we started coming down here. But yeah, I had to make it down there, and so I walked all the way down to Meltdown uh, just so that we could get there for open mic and. You know, again, it's been so special. Once I moved here, I had emailed Caitlin Durante immediately and was just like, hey, what can I do to be involved? I have to be part of Meltdown. And, you know, luckily, I was given the opportunity to, to intern there and work on so many incredible shows. Shows with Russell Brand, Bob Saget, Mark Marin, Kyle Kinane, Bill Burr, you know, just to name a few of just the amazing, talented people. Emily Heller and Adam Conover uh, doing their Fresh Out show every month. I mean, these... These shows were incredible. Feliz Navi Pod's Christmas show uh, this last year was just, it was mind-blowing. Colin Hanks, Rory Scoville, Nick Thune, Mandy Moore was on the show with Chris Solon from This Is Us. You know, Don't Stop or We'll Die, uh, which is, of course, uh, Paul Paul Rust uh, from Love. It's his band. Uh, the Tony Thaxton, who, who's one of the one of the guys from Feliz Navi Pod, who's also the drummer from Motion City Soundtrack. You know, they're the ones who put this on and all the proceeds went to Planned Parenthood. It was it was just such an amazing show. I'll never forget watching Beta Test. It was a show Chris Hardwick used to do, um, where he'd just get a bunch of his friends together and they would they would come and just work out bits. It was a free show because it was 20 minutes that you know nobody knew it was going to work. And and sitting there and you know seeing Chris and, and April. I remember Justin Willem doing some magic and stand up. Uh, T.J. Miller. Uh, there's just so many just great stand-ups out there um, you know that, that I had a chance to see work out some of their material before they did specials and I, I remember one of the times I was there and Lorraine Newman from Saturday Night Live and the Coneheads was just sitting just right across from Austin and I and we couldn't figure out exactly who it was until she tweeted later on I remember seeing Chris and April's responses that were just like holy shit because she was just right there you know watching this great stand-up show and yeah, I just I, I have so many great memories of the Nerdist showroom and of Meltdown Comics, and you know it really will be missed. I hope you guys enjoy these interviews as I talk with so many of the incredible people that that made this place special. So thank you, Nerdist, and thank you, Meltdown, for giving us just an incredible place that so many of us could call home here in Los Angeles. We love you. We will miss you forever. Thank you. Rest in peace, Nerd Melt. Rest in peace, Meltdown. Enjoy this episode. What was it that initially got you involved with the Nerd Showroom? I started doing uh, an open mic here on Sunday nights called Matt Myra's Day Off because it was my only day off of the week. So Sunday nights, we would do an open mic here. I'd hosted it with uh, Paul Sebus. Uh, Kyle Clark was our tech person in exchange for uh, three minutes of uh, stage time. He would come here and run the board. And uh, you know, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a tedious open mic and a wonderful group of people. And uh, there were so many great comics that came through. And, and just to do three minutes of time. Well, I was bartending the Meltdown show before it was the Meltdown show. It was called Comedy Meltdown. Um, and it, they were kind of, I don't know, if you've been to Meltdown, you've seen like the big posters on the wall. It was different hosts every time, so it'd be a lot like 
Ed Salazar, Link Patch, Jonah Ray was doing it quite a bit. And then I believe they reached out to Jonah and um, he became the permanent host. April 2011, we started and uh, Danielle just hung out while I worked for Shut free. Up. I was doing PR. <laughs> and uh, we, we started in 2011 and started producing shows around then. Um, and then after that, after Emily left, she pretty much gave the keys to Danielle. She became a program director and I became a stage manager. And then we ran a theater together till 2014. Two and a half years. Two and a half years yeah. running it. And then we still continue to produce shows till 2000, end of 2016. So I moved from New York in uh, 2012. And um, in New York, I was on payroll at UCB. And like a lot of the uh, UCB people at that time who came from New York to LA, I had every confidence I could just waltz into Los Angeles UCB and get my job there, and um, I didn't, uh, but Nerdmelt uh, took me in like a refugee, and I'm uh, grateful for it. Um, I'm very grateful uh, to Chris and to Emily, who uh, approved my hiring, and um, it was... Uh, I didn't intend to take over risk when um, I moved to Los Angeles, and it was happening here. It was hosted at the time uh, by Pete Holmes and Kamel Nanjiani, and uh, I was the producer, and then everyone quickly saw that I am way more talented than Pete and Kamel, which is why I'm so much more successful than they are now, and that's why I host the show, um, and that... Never would have happened without Nerdmelt. Uh, it was A, that a job moved me to LA and I lived in this neighborhood. And then the Dan Harmon, Chevy Chase voicemail thing was like in the news. And when just doing your homework about where you live, I was like, oh, this is close to my house. I, I can go to this place where people play voicemails from Chevy Chase. So that I went there here and uh, have you talked to Jenny Fine? No, Sorry, I haven't Jenny? talked to her yet. Jenny Fine was working the box office and I gave her my name and she was like, That's a cool name. And I was like, I'm hanging out here. This is the nicest per just saying you have a cool name was the nicest thing anyone in Los Angeles had ever done <laughs> to me. So, yeah, and then I just keep hanging out like all the. I got to know the events that, like, Danielle was program director back then, and she put on um, Sketch Melt and Booze Cruise, and I really liked those events and just started being a regular. Then I started interning, then house managing, then stage managing. Well, I listened to a bunch of podcasts back in when I was still living in London, and they would always just, like, would just hear the... Like comedians would always just say like, oh yeah, when we were just hanging out meltdown, they would like just like just hear the word, they would just like just talk about this place meltdown, and they would just like just make it sound like this this one place where like it's like just sort of like a gathering where everybody would end up. So like yeah, it was basically through podcasts and also like they recorded Harmontown here, so like at the beginning of every podcast it was like live from Meltdown Comics, Harmontown. It was the first. First show I did here was the first tournament of nerds where I got second place, 
And then that's where Jonah saw me and then was like, I'm doing a monthly show here. So I started doing shows with him. We did that for a couple of years and then that sort of like steamer out of that. And then a few years after that, Kumail and Emily came along and we all started the Meltdown Meltdown show. So it's almost, it's almost been a decade of my life, this fucking story. <laughs> what I love about Meltdown is seeing friends, being in that little backstage room, catching up, kibitzing, fucking around, peeping out, watching the show. We used to smoke a lot more pot in the back where the parking lot is. It doesn't seem like people really do that anymore. But we used to. Yeah. And, um, the crowds. That sounds boring. I mean, they're just the best crowds of the whole, in all of LA, best crowds. Uh, I was in grad school and I was uh, starting to do stand-up like a ton and was hitting a lot of mics and I commuted a lot and so I would listen to podcasts and Nerdist became like a podcast that uh, like I listened to a ton and I very distinctly remember like folding laundry and hearing them talk about on the podcast how they were going to open up a theater at Meltdown Comics and I think I had gone to the Wednesday show prior to that but when they were talking about how they were going to do like the full theater I was like this is the coolest thing I ever heard of and they started doing the mic and I missed the first open mic because I was graduating from college they're from grad school that weekend at USC and so then the next one I came out to and uh, I got up and and met a ton of people who went on to be a bunch of my best friends and and favorite people and early people I knew in, in comedy and stuff like that and then said to the management at the time like do you need somebody to like wash cars or like clean the floors or do anything like I just want to be a part of this place and they I was the last hire of the first uh, round of uh, staff the first show that I did here, well, I can remember the first show that I've ever produced, which was Part Two, The Sequel Show, which was a show I ran with Tony Sam, and it would uh, feature a panel, or not a panel, sorry, a lineup of stand-ups who were presenting, like, their fake sequels to existing movies. And uh, I remember, like, Guy Branham did Independence 2 Dominion Day Canadian style, <laughs> and he had, like, a you know, a presentation, like a slide presentation. Um, I think that Kyle Kinane maybe did, like, Stand By Me to, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, Matt Bronger did, like, The Seventh Sense, I Smell Dead People. Um, I first performed at Meltdown, I think, nine years ago. Because when everybody was just recently posting their farewell things on Instagram, I had to go look. I had to look up the date of the first time I performed here. And I think it was nine years ago, but then I was like, when did they open the venue? Did they open it 10 years ago? Cause I, or maybe, yeah. So it was nine years ago and I remember that's my first year of stand. I started stand up 10 years ago. So I remember being super nervous and like looking at the pictures even, I was like, oh, I look nervous in a still photograph somehow, but yeah. So nine years ago. I was dragged to Meltdown, uh, basically I had heard that the open mic here was good right when I first moved to LA and I was like cool I'll come check it out so I went to the open mic and then I uh, was like yeah it is cool and I didn't even get pulled and I still stayed for the whole freaking thing. And, it's uh, unheard of. Brag, I know I'm, I'm a hero. So <laughs> I, um, I was like oh this place is really cool and then I uh, met someone at a different open mic that said that this place was hiring and that he was leaving and they needed to hire someone. So um, I applied and I got 
I interviewed for the internship, I got it, and then the rest is history. But I just, what, what originally kind of drew me to this place was like, the, just the vibe of like, you know, it's a do it DIY venue, a lot of the pretension and stuff like that that you see at some other comedy venues just is not a thing here. And I, it's just a venue made, like run by people who love comedy, it's for people who love comedy, it's featuring people who are great at comedy and who love comedy, it's just, it's just a safe haven for comedy in LA. I was really lucky. I early on I was working for Nerdist. Back when Nerdist wasn't really much of a company yet. Uh, Hardwick wanted to turn his personal website into something bigger. I happened to get lucky. I was writing for it. I was one of the first few people writing on it. And then he mentioned that he wanted to open up a theater and I was just like, I'm in. Like, whatever it is, tell me what to do and I'm there. And so he set me up with Emily, talked with Emily. And then, there we go, I was there day one. I started coming here in 2012. I was uh, producing a show with my friend Mo Welch called The Mo Show, which she brought from Chicago to LA. Um, she was initially at the Hollywood Improv, and then um, she started bringing it here. So when we started bringing it here, that's when I started coming. I. Uh, <laughs> One of the, she made me, she, okay, so she has this character called, well, she had this bath, wicker basket that someone made into a shark head for a sketch, and when she brought the Mosho over to Meltdown, she decided to make that shark a mascot, which meant that I was going to be wearing this wicker basket, a uh, shark head, which we called Sharky Davis Jr. <laughs> so I, um, in some ways, uh, was trying to like she sent me out in the in the comic book store to like to bark at people but I made the character decision to not say anything so I just kind of waved at everybody and I <laughs> I don't know if I actually got um, people into the seats but I definitely uh, endeared the people that were already coming <laughs> what are some of your favorite memories from your time spent here at Nerdmeld podcasting or even out in the comic book shop. I kind of posted some on Twitter that I really liked. I think one of the most exciting things was Robin Williams coming in for the, like, he was here for a bit and then he came over and he was like, how are you, Hannah? And I was like, holy shit! That was really cool, thank you. When Robin Williams was here, he was on Harmontown. Because he was shopping for comics, he didn't even, he wasn't even booked on the show. <clears throat> but... Dan, he brought him on stage and was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just buying comics. He's like, what comics do you like? He's like, well, I started out collecting um, Mobius. He's like, does anyone out there know who Mobius is? And I'm like, crickets. And I go, woo! And he goes, that guy gets it. And I was like, I do get it. Robin Williams, that's that's our moment. Favorite memory from Meltdown? Probably seeing Robin Williams here. I don't know. There's been so many. There's been so many. Probably Robin Williams in the back. I think just the thing that a lot of people might even say to anytime Robin Williams walked into this place, it was, <laughs> it was insane. It was surreal. He would, and he didn't just come to like one show. Like he he would come to the Wednesday Meltdown show. He would come to Setlist. He came to horrible movie night and like he just, it was crazy. And just he to told meet you him, your show was fucking funny. He told me my show was <laughs> fucking funny, and that like made me like. Oh my some once in a while I go to this place called Nerd Melt, which is 
back of Meltdown. It's a comic book oh. store that has a comedy club. It's like a porn shop with a dance studio. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> but it's kind of wonderful. And I've been, you know, doing set lists once in a while. And I mean, I haven't been doing stand-up in a while, but doing improv, which is kind of great just to get back out and, you know, throw the ball around. And that's, you do that for fun? Oh, big time. Yeah. What, for cash? Yeah, well, certainly not, yeah. Here's a dollar forty. <laughs> I'm gonna buy a box of Twizzlers! I used to spend a lot of time here with Gil, who is Gaston's son, who, uh, the owner of the store. And um, one of my favorite memories of Gil is uh, Robin Williams was shopping in the store, and Gil goes, I wanted to say hi to him. So he runs down there, and I see him talking to him, and then he comes back up, and I said, what did you say to him? And he goes, I told him I loved Bicentennial Man. And I was like, why'd you, why'd you choose that movie? And he goes, I really like it. And I said, okay, all right. When I think about the most meltdowny, what like if I think about the moment that makes me, that I think about this store and what made it special and what made this show work and what made the venue work, I always think about Gaston and the first. I think we were, it was when we were talking about the first Summerfest. That Howard Kramer uh, was doing a bit about how summer is the best season and everyone says fall and spring, but that's bullshit because everyone actually really likes summer, and so. We had sort of this idea to do something that was giving back to the fans. Uh, we had a little bit of money, and we didn't want to make money on the show. We wanted, we didn't want to make profits. So we're like, how do we get rid of this money? And uh, and so we went to Gaston. And we're like, we want to do a show during the day that's going to be all day long in your comic book shop, making it impossible for customers to park around here. And also, we're not going to charge anybody any fucking money. And also, maybe you could buy people food. And, uh, and Gaston's response is like the res what I think like the motto of Meltdown and his model of like how he runs this place, which was, uh, yeah, man, do whatever you gotta do, man. Fuck yeah, you do you, man. You do it. As long as you do it, you care about it, it's gonna be fucking great. Like, that's like Gaston to a T. And like, that was, that's really like from producing shows all over LA, that was the thing that made this place special was that like you could come up to him and be like, we have, we have this idea for this and this. Like, I did a speed dating Valentine's Day show here once. He was like, yeah, man, do it. That's cool, man. You got to do that. Like, you have to do that show. I was like, cool, okay. Like, we'll get it out. We'll, people will be here, man. We'll get people. People will be having sex and shit. And I'm like, okay, cool, Gaston. Like, that's like, that's like the vibe of this place. I hope that, like, other venues and other people and other businesses that, like, that want to kind of have cool people around realize that you know investing in things that are profitable invest investing in things that are just fun and cool will actually make their business better and make the world better even if their business goes out of business after 25 years but uh... <laughs> smiling uh just listening to what people say to each other in the green room uh seeing some of my idols and seeing some of my peers and seeing some people who I'd never heard of who are now way huger than me. Um, just just listening to what they had to say. Ten years from now when I think back to this and all I remember are the good times and how much heart myself and everyone who works here put in this room, how much love we left on that stage. I have so many of them. There's so many awesome shows that we did here. Um, my two favorite shows of all time are Horrible Movie Night and Can I Kick It. Those are my, this, the audiences there were nuclear. They were amazing to be around. Uh, one of the 
cool things is one of the people I met here, and uh, I actually got to talk to him because he's very, he's very nice, but he's a lovely man, is uh, Scott Thompson. And he was the first gay person I ever saw on TV. And even more than that, he was the first gay person I saw on TV that was loving life, just fucking crushing it. And uh, then I got to see him uh, working out a character on stage, and it was just, it was a really cool moment for me. So that was great. Well, I mean, Jonah and Kumail's show was kind of like, I don't know if it was the original show, probably wasn't, but that was kind of the show that started it all, you know? In my mind, I could be wrong. And Emily, you know, Emily ran it. Oscar-nominated Emily B. Gordon. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it just was perfect. The room is perfect, the shape and the size and all the things just right. It doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to cost anything. Just, a, well, you need a good sound system. That's the only thing. Nice low stage, just a little something, a foot, a foot off the ground. It's plenty, less. Probably six inches off the ground. Uh, I think the thing that drew people most to this place was the sense of community that everyone has. Uh, you know, it was just, it's always been a nerdy playground, and then adding the theater into the back sort of made it a nerdy playground that had longer hours, so people just started to come out, uh, and it was great. Like, I remember in the old days of doing the Meltdown show, Emily would hand everybody a $25 gift certificate to, um, to the store if you were on the bill. Like, they couldn't pay anybody, but, you know, Gaston was kind enough to arrange it so that we'd have $25 gift cards. Uh, or certificates. They're actually just handwritten. They were cool. But I would, that, some of my favorite memories are just wandering, like doing a set and then wandering the store trying to figure out which uh, Batman statue I didn't need I was gonna take home. Jason Alexander sort of like came up to the, like, the, the stand was checking in at Meltdown and I just like froze because <laughs> I, I didn't know what to say. Like, I, you had to stamp, yeah, I had to stamp him on the, um, on the inside of the wrist as he went to the Meltdown show. And he just like made a, made a, just made a joke and just said, just said, oh, is this like a perfume? Is this gonna smell or something? And I just st stood and looked at him and like had nothing to say back. Just nodded. He was like, expect, like, and there was just a moment where I was like, expected like, like I was gonna say something and he knew, thought I was gonna say something. And I just like, and then just the moment passed and then nothing happened and then he, him and his group just kept walking, just said thank you. One of the most memorable moments, even one of the most memorable podcasts I've, I've ever recorded in this room was Harris Whittle's second episode of You Made It Weird. And my jaw was just, had dropped and stayed dropped for the entire episode because it was such an insane story of of his life and even after that I thought what an incredible episode this is amazing I love and then uh, I mean it was amazing before and it's it's still it's I guess more amazing now it's shocking it's sad Paris wins 
What is one of the craziest memories or stories that you remember happening during a show here? I remember we did a show for one night only, and uh, it never came back and only performed once. It was like a porno game show where they had games that involved porn, and one of the games was uh, they pulled up uh, chat roulette, and they would click on chat roulette until they would find someone uh, self-gratifying, and when it came up, the audience had to cheer him on until completion. <laughs> and it was a, it was a crazy night, a lot of weird games. Like I said, only one night only, and you can totally understand why it was probably illegal. The craziest thing <laughs> was uh, we had hired an intern. She had only been there for a few days, week, week or two, something like that. Uh, it was a meltdown show. Back in the day, we uh, would be a little bit more liberal about drinking, and Hannibal Burris was on the show. He came back to the to the, the snacks and he's saying, "Yo, hey, what's up?" And tossing him a drink and all that kind of stuff. And this new intern, she was really, really, really excited. Hannibal was her absolute favorite. So he sticks his hand out and he's like, "Hey, I'm Hannibal. It's nice to meet you." She shakes his hand, but then pulls him in and like, "Oh, I'm so excited!" and bites his hand. Ah. And I was just like, wow, that was, that was weird. And he just kind of like went off <laughs> and did his thing. And he goes back into the tech bit where Emily and everybody's kind of doing their thing during the show. And I get a text instantly from Emily. Like, what is going on? Somebody just bit Hannibal? Give me the details. And I'm like, yeah, uh, this girl is really excited for Hannibal. So she like playfully bit his hand. I hope. What's going on? Uh, and she, she, he was—he drew blood. <laughs> and so, um, needless to say, after Hannibal went up and just abandoned his material and just did nothing but talk about this incident for ten minutes, uh, she was gone. Uh, she also went from being sober to being basically blackout drunk in like half an hour. No, none of us even understand how she possibly did it, but it happened. Uh, and that was. That was fucking insane. <laughs> I never, never would have thought that biting a famous comedian would even be a possibility. <laughs> I think the craziest batshit thing that happened was I was interning for the Meltdown show specifically, and Dave Chappelle dropped in and did a very long set and sat on the stage and smoked cigarettes in and. And I think the craziest thing is that everybody was just like so into it and like didn't mind. And I was just like, okay, great. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the space. It's like everyone can just bring in their nonsense and everyone's just like into it and ready for it. It's not necessarily working, but from being here, that feels extremely vain because I don't I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with people's eyes on me, but during the taping of the Meltdown show, when Todd Glass was on, who was the first podcast I started recording for Nerdist, he was in the store, everyone was in line, the store was filled with people, and we were talking, and then out of nowhere he just starts chanting, Aristotle, Aristotle, and everyone in the store started chanting it. Uh, and that was very overwhelming. 
uh, I felt real good, but I was also incredibly embarrassed. I was like, I don't, these people have no idea what they're cheering for. The craziest memory I have was Kyle Ayers was doing a show and Rachel Bloom ran up to him and was like, someone just got shot outside. And we like went outside and there was blood all over a person in a Rolls Royce on their face and it was fucking terrifying. We called the cops, the cops came, but the show still happened, which was really crazy, especially for Rachel who like saw a bloodied person get literally shot. We heard it and we were like, whoa, and was actually shot behind the theater. And then I stayed until 4 a.m. with 20 police officers and they ate all of our chips and they drank all of our water and they peed in our toilets. And I was here, couldn't leave. And then we took pictures of them fake arresting me and I sent them to my mom. But uh, they were really lovely. The person who got shot did not die, so don't worry, though I think they were like some mobsters over at the Russian place over there, I don't know. But uh, we don't really know what happened. They were in a Rolls Royce, they were rich. But uh, they didn't die, so all was well. And that was pretty crazy. Oh, the rat. So there was a rat here for a while, and we used to see him upstairs. He would be running around, and he would uh, drink our waters. Like, we had to get protective cases because he kept biting into the waters and drinking our water bottles. And then he used to, he would go down onto the stage during shows and go up on the rafters. And <laughs> you would, people would be watching the show, and all of a sudden they start screaming, What am I going and he would just be like peering over. And then also we had cockroaches, obviously. And I remember one time Nate Bargetsy was on stage and this cockroach was on the wall and then it started flying. And it was like the fucking biggest cockroach. It was huge. And uh, <laughs> and everybody's just like, what do we do? And Nate stopped and we're all just like, everyone's freaking out. And then it landed on the ground and some guy came over and he just got up and he stomped on it and said, you may continue. <laughs> and that was it. What are your final words as Nerd Melt and Meltdown Comics get ready to close their doors? I guess my final words for Meltdown and uh, Nerd Melt are, uh, I really thought you would outlast Golden Apple. Um, you know, it sucks that the place is closing. It, it's, you know, I think everybody who's been a part of it, for whatever, whether it's doing shows or running shows or working here, it's been such like important place for so many people. But I think that like what I've been trying to go with it with for whatever is you know the place goes away, the building's gone, but like everything that we did here, every friendship we made, every experience we had, everything that we like learned, like everybody carries all that in our like DNA into whatever happens in the future. So like it the building's gone and the like place that we all congregate to goes away but like everybody's still family everybody still had those experiences everybody still did all those things and like I instead of thinking about it as like oh man like all those things are gone like I think it's going to be cool in like years from now when like a new generation of kids is coming along and the same way like old Largo or the same way any of the other places around have been where like new young improvisers and comedians and writers and stuff are like, oh man, you were part of like Meltdown? Like what was that like? And we can just like recount them and tell crazy stories of like all the stuff that happened here and you know, Robin Williams and getting drunk in the parking lot and like, con you know, lighting shit on fire and almost burning the theater down and stuff like that. You know, just all like the crazy shit that happened. It's cool to have been a part of a thing that people will like remember. 
and you know we've all grown up everybody in this space has grown up and changed and there's people who are married there's people who have kids there's you know all sorts of stuff and it's just neat to know that like even though it's gone like we're all we all keep living unless they kill us along with the theater which would be shitty you know again people i love and respected doing what i wanted to do and then i got to be a part of it uh being a stage manager and it was just, it was a really great experience, and I'll miss it profoundly. Sad to see Meltdown go, but such fond memories, and I think the owner is like excited for the next chapter. And another place will happen, hopefully with low ceilings, and uh, people who like comedy, because that's what it takes. My final words are that I'm really fucking sad that this place isn't going to be a thing anymore. Uh, one, it was the best job I've ever had, except aside from my, wait for it, Hooters delivery driver job. Being a part of this community and having the opportunity to program this venue is like the best thing that could have possibly happened to me as a person who had recently moved to LA, didn't really know anyone, didn't, uh, hadn't really found my space in the comedy community yet, and I'm just gonna really miss this place that's become my home in LA comedy. We'll miss you. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, everything's been great. We had a great run. Shit. Um, just, uh, thank you. Um, I was producing here and they, um, Aaron Baker and Danielle Kramer allowed me to be an intern um, here and the time that I've spent producing and interning here I've learned a lot about myself and I met some of my closest friends and it's just been a magical place to, to grow up in. Um, yeah, thank you and I'm sad you're leaving but the community and the heart will live on forever. Um, Nerd Melt kept me young. Uh, now I'm on the other side of 30, uh, the wrong side of 30, and Nerd Melt's going away. I guess it's time to get old now. Thanks for everything. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting a, a rube put his feet down somewhere without feeling too stupid for too long. I would say that whoever stole my fucking Diet Coke from the fridge can eat shit and die. That's my last word. Um, I'm glad it existed. It's like, it's was my whole reason for being in LA. It was like, like, uh, it's like, it, it's the reason why I'm still here. It's like, it's, it's everything to me. It means that, that, that I'm sad that it's ending because I didn't, I wasn't ready for it for it to end so like soon. Even though I've been here for five years, I'm happy. I you know I love everybody that I've met through here. Everybody's wonderful. I don't think there's. I'm gonna find another place where like everybody I meet is like I know is really gonna be interesting. It's gonna be someone that I can engage in easily. I'm real bombed. I'm really bombed. Uh. 
there's a list of reasons why I'm bummed. I will say lower on the list is the fact that I've got about four gift certificates that I never spent. Because when you did shows here in the early days, they paid you with gift certificates. And I always forgot to bring them. So they're just sitting on my desk right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were really spoiled as comics having this place. Because not only is it just, again, friendly and welcoming and fun and like a fun place to hang out. But it, it, the audiences here were we're just so down it and it's yeah it definitely spoils you where you when you know you're in a place and you know you can kind of go off the rails and everyone's going to stay with you that is so rare and unique and it's a bummer to lose a place that almost always had that almost always guaranteed you a patient flexible audience who was eager and who liked being there and just like liked comedy um so that is a real bummer. And then again, for me personally, because it's, I can walk here. Uh, I'm real bummed about that, that I can't walk here to hang out anymore. Two things that I think should be mentioned is that a lot of television shows started in this theater. And I think that's really cool. Urban Dictionary with James Davis became a TV show. We did the test runs for um, Slight, Slight, Slight of Mouth. <laughs> I always say Slay. Mm, that's embarrassing. Slide of mouth, Justin Wellman. We had Not Safe with Nikki Glazer. We had At Midnight do its test runs here. The Meltdown became a show. Like, that's just really cool, too. It was a place for people to, like, test things and make them true television shows for the public outside of L.A. to enjoy. And I like that a lot. And lastly, I think it's really cool that Nerd Melt was run by four women. Because women are great. And I'm proud of that. I think comedy in people's heads is a male-dominated place. I think people are like, women aren't funny, blah, blah, blah. And um, I would say Emily, Danielle, and Caitlin are very good company to be in. Some strong, cool ladies, and I would say we're all very different. And that we all kind of, our runs at the theater kind of brought new things to it. Um, I would say they were all better directors than I was. Um, they're all really, really cool women and uh, put their heart and soul into this place. And I think that's a, a key thing to mention. Not to mention, not to forget that all the people who helped also like Aaron and Nolan and Kelly and all that, but yeah. So there were some lovely men that helped run this thing. And Nolan every week would open the back of his car and put in jugs of water and chips. Let's not forget. Um, I don't think Nerd Melt or Meltdown will really die because there's a lot of people that are going to remain groups of friends and shows that last. Oh, I don't know. I just don't think Nerd Mod is... It's, we're saying goodbye as a space and all things must come to an end. But I think there were a lot of people that became really close working here and coming here and loving it here. And I think the beauty of L.A. is that right when this is leaving, the very cool Dynasty typewriter is opening up and there's different venues that come and go and that's the that's how it goes, but this was a very special place and I'm happy that so many of the people from here are still in my life in order to kind of keep the memory alive. Uh, I guess since I consider Meltdown Gaston, it would be, I mean Meltdown is not just Gaston, but this is his place. Meltdown is a people, not a place. We had an amazing time here. This was, I mean, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of stress, but like some of the most fun years. It was like having a playground where we could just do. It's a clubhouse. Yeah. 
we could try out new stuff. It was a workout room. We saw so many people grow and like have crazy careers. Um, met some of our best friends. Um, so this place will always have a, a melty spot in my heart. Yeah, it's just this is just friends and family here, and it doesn't end after the door shut. It's like we I still see all these people all the time. We go camping, we mm -hmm. go out to eat, we go drink beers. It's like it doesn't end here. And then I don't think it should. It, people are going to talk about this place forever. And they already started talking about it a couple years after it was already in. Like, people would talk about it from other states and countries and stuff. And that's the cool thing is just, like, it all started in this little space with just a bunch of people just volunteering their time and putting their love into it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all held together with love. So it's really hard to recreate. You yeah. Know, this, I don't think it'll ever really be special. able to do it again this way. It'll happen, like people will do it, but it's it's not going to be what it was for these seven-ish years that it was around. Yeah, it's but unique. Yeah, go Meltdown. Go Nerd Melt. <laughs> I always appreciated Nerd Melt and Meltdown while it was happening, but it never all dawned on me how insanely lucky we all are for having been here. Because it's never gonna be, well, it's, you know, there may never be another place uh, that is such a complete community of people where you can show up any time of day, and there's gonna be someone you know, or you can just hang out and it'll be fine. I've never felt so at home or comfortable anywhere else. It's, it's crazy. Goodbye, but don't forget it. I hope that all the people that have walked through that come here see what it, what something can be and make their life about that same energy and that same vibe. Might be welcoming and be friendly and be creative. You know, like take. Take what this place was doing and take it with you. I spent a good seven years of my life here. My best friendships came out of here. My favorite moments, memories. I think we put together something real, real special. <laughs> Francisco's flicking me off. <laughs> uh, I think we we did something real special, and I think we started with a big splash and managed to ripple through the LA comedy scene real quick. And I think it's because. We weren't trying to be a comedy venue. I th it was more about being a, a clubhouse, a place where friends, like-minded people, strangers could get together, do something ridiculous, something no one else would probably want done 
just to do it. And somehow that was successful. And so I hope moving forward, someone was captured by the spirit of that and can go on to make something else in Los Angeles or wherever, but hopefully Los Angeles. So this kind of feeling can come back, if not for us, for anybody. Um, this place was special.